Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Let's see here. Today is 11 February. It's Sunday. Time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And got my friend, I want to say hello to my friend Gordon up in Lafayette, Indiana. He posted on Facebook this morning, which normally I wouldn't see this, but I happened to just go onto Facebook with the iPad. And he said that his church is iced out. And so, uh, yeah, they got ice, and they, so they closed the church so nobody would get in an accident. He says, so, superior word online for him this morning. And I said, woo So off to uh, Gordon with our uh, regards. And he said, I don't think there's any ice in Sarasota. And I said, you were wrong. I took a picture of the inside of our uh, refrigerator. It needs to be de-iced, no doubt about it. So uh, we do have an ice problem in Sarasota, but it's not on the streets, thank goodness. Uh, let's see here. We have, uh, are you Mary? Yeah, welcome. She came all the way from Naples, is that right? All the way from Naples to come on up here this morning. And she said she'd be here, so welcome. Real nice having you here, Mary. Let's see here. Uh, I got somebody to highlight this week. His name is Tom Howard. He's in Decatur, Illinois. He's 61 years old. Do you pronounce the S on Illinois? No. He's in Decatur, Illinois. Yeah, 61 years old and married to Julie. Six children. 14 grandchildren three great-grandchildren. He's got a big family. He served four years as an Air Force, yes, U.S. Air Force firefighter, and 32 years as a municipal firefighter, retiring four years ago as a captain. This last year, I chronologically read through the Bible in its entirety for the first time. I also listened to the Bible in its entirety three times while driving in my vehicle in the last year and one half. This is in no small part due to the encouragement received from your broadcast to read God's Word first and foremost. I need His Word in my life. I love its transforming powers. I used to read a lot of other books, but the Bible has taken the number one spot. Coffee used to be my motivation for rising in the morning. Now it's my time in His Word. And I still have to have the coffee. I, you know, I get up at four every day, and the first thing I do is take out two of the dogs that need to go out at that time. And then I make my coffee while they're out there. So when I come back in, it's ready. And then uh, I sit down and I read the Bible with my coffee. So I won't say it's my motivation, but I have to have it as I'm reading. And then I actually wake up about 7 o'clock every day. But as I embark on my second trip through the Bible, I am finding myself pondering what I read more. I used to read the newspaper and drink coffee first thing. I don't read the paper at all anymore. Thanks for all you do at the Superior Word, and that means all of you. So we so much appreciate that. Uh, I've said it a million times, and I'll say it again. If you aren't reading your Bible every day of your life, you are not being obedient to the Lord. That's all there is to it. This is His Word. This is the only way to know if you are right with Him or not. You can watch 50 Prophecy Updates a week and be no closer to Jesus Christ than you were when you started watching those 50 Prophecy Updates. Without knowing this word, without reading this word, without applying it to your life in context, then you're not being obedient to the word. This morning, somebody posted uh, something about, I'm saved by the blood of Jesus, and that is it. It is done. And then somebody, of course, came on and started debating that you can lose your salvation. One, those verses are not in context, and two, it would show a very weak and failing God that would save you by the blood of his son, that would give you his spirit as a guarantee, as the Bible says, and then he would take that guarantee away. What kind of a God would guarantee something and then remove the guarantee? And secondly, what kind of a God would save somebody and then take it back showing that he made a mistake in the first place? That is not the God of the Bible. God does not make mistakes. He does not break guarantees. And the shed blood of Christ covers all sins, past, present, and future. The only thing that comes in after that is loss of rewards or blessing of rewards when you stand before the Lord. That is it. You will never lose your salvation if you are following a preacher or a teacher who says you can lose your salvation, you are following somebody that proclaims a false gospel. It is that it is that sure. It is a false gospel to say that you can lose your salvation. Christ died to save people, not to give them eternal insecurity. And as we said at the end of a sermon a week ago, if you could lose your salvation, you would, you would lose your salvation. You will not lose your salvation if you are saved. Call on Jesus Christ to be reconciled to him, to God through him, 
and it is forever, okay? Forever. Perverted joy of telling somebody that after I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. Like, oh, no, you're not. Oh, no, you're not. You're not saved by the blood of Jesus. You can now lose your salvation. All right. Our first category today is Israel. And I would like to announce this. Somebody sent me an email and they said, can you play this at your church? It's a movie called I Am Israel. It's a very good movie. If you're a pastor of a church and you watch these updates, you can get this for your church. They will let you download it for free or they will give you a link to it so that you can you know, stream it directly from Vimeo in your church. It's 30 minutes long. We're going to show it next week here in the, the Superior Word before we start. It's a good movie. And like I said, any church pastor can email them and they automatically send you the link and you can watch it. I did watch it. It's got kind of a false premise in it. And I'm going to say this before uh, we uh, actually play it next week, in case I forget next week. But these are Jews that are in Israel, and they're showing their lives. It's very motivational. It's very wonderful. They're showing their lives, what they do in Israel, their pursuit of, you know, uh, being Jewish and being an Israeli and uh, how they love being in the land of Israel. But at the end of each one of them, they say, I am blah, 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 and I am Israel. And that is only true to a point, because Paul says in the book of Romans that not all who are of Israel are Israel, okay? In other words, you have to be a saved believer in Jesus Christ to be the true Israel. That does not mean the Gentiles who believe in Jesus are true Israel. We are Gentiles, and we are grafted into that tree. We do not become Israel. We do not replace Israel. But a person who says that he is a Jew and he has not come to Jesus Christ is not a completed Jew. He is not of Israel. Okay? So, there's a little bit of a false premise in there, but it is still a very good movie, and I would hope that you would remember that one qualifier and watch it and enjoy it. I think you really will. Let's see here. Uh, One thing I'm not going to report on during this Prophecy Update is the situation which is going on in Israel right now. And that's because every news service in the world has got it out there. If you're not reading the news or if you're not watching it, then just go home and turn it on and you'll see it. Okay. There was, um, as a matter of fact, I heard the alarms going off at two o'clock, two morning, two nights ago. And the first thing I did when I got up was I emailed Sergio and I said, Sergio, what's going on? What are all the, the warnings going off? And he said, I'll give you just a breakdown of it. There was a drone, an Iranian drone, which was encroaching on Israeli airspace. They shot it down, and then from there, Israel responded. They went into Syria, they did some damage there, and on the way out, one of the, uh, you know, act or, uh, you know, a bomb or something went up, and it hit an F-16. But they think that it was not a direct hit, it was a piece of shrapnel running into the plane. That hasn't been determined yet, but that's what they are looking at right now. The F-16 crashed kind of close to Sergio's house. They heard the explosion, and both pilots are A-OK. One of them is in a coma. He's not been revived. He's in serious condition, but he's going to live, they believe. The other one is fine. He had minor injuries. But that was my first question in the Sergio. When he was giving me all of the information, I said, how are the pilots? You know, that's, my, my heart went right out to him. These are young people that are full of P and V, if you know what that means in the military. And sometimes they're not thinking that they may have an end to their lives. And uh, so now maybe they will start to think about the things of God. We could have died, you know. But anyway, um, that, that's what happened. And there was some <laughs> retaliation by Israel again. They went in and destroyed some other things. That's all I'm going to go get into. The situation is very tense right now. It could lead to something big or it could lead to nothing. We'll just keep an eye on it. But um, it's very interesting times. I'm enjoying watching it happen because Israel is right at the center of the nations and everything centers on what they do. Everything. But a few things in the update that we have today will kind of show you that the world isn't as stable as uh, we think, even with that happening. So our first article is from the New York Times, Secret Alliance. Now, Egypt is denying this. Obviously, they would. It doesn't mean that it's not true. It's just that Egypt is denying it. But Secret Alliance, Israel carries out airstrikes in Egypt with Cairo's okay. Really big news here because, once again, who are the players in Gog Magog? Egypt is not coming against Israel. And now we have this alliance going on. So all of these players are kind of fitting together as pieces in a puzzle. And we're seeing it happen right before our eyes. It says here, the jihadists in Egypt's northern Sinai had killed hundreds of soldiers and police officers, pledged allegiance to the IS, briefly seized a major town, and began setting up armed checkpoints to claim territory in late 2015. They brought down a Russian passenger jet. 
Egypt appeared unable to stop them, so Israel, alarmed at the threat just over the border, took action. For more than two years, unmarked Israel drones, helicopters, and jets have carried out a covert air campaign, conducting more than 100 airstrikes inside Egypt, and all with the approval of President El Sisi. Once enemies in three wars... Then antagonists in an uneasy peace, Egypt and Israel are now secret allies in a covert war against a common foe. For Cairo, the Israeli intervention has helped the Egyptian military regain its footing in its nearly five-year battle against the militants. For Israel, the strikes have bolstered the security of its borders and the stability of its neighbor. Their collaboration in the northern Sinai is the most dramatic evidence yet of a quiet reconfiguration of the politics of the region. Once again, just keep thinking of the nations in Ezekiel 38. We're seeing it happen before our very eyes. Shared enemies like ISIS, Iran, and political Islam have quietly brought the leaders of several Arab states, which we've reported on week after week, into growing alignment with Israel, even as their officials and news media continue to vilify the Jewish state in public. So they're out there saying, we don't like Israel, we're not going to deal with them, and yet in private, they are dealing with them, they're buying arms from Israel, they have all kinds of agreements being made behind the tables because they don't want their own people overthrowing their government because they're supporting the Jewish state. But they know where their uh, safety lies, and it is aligning with Israel. They know this. Iran is a great threat, and it is growing greater by the day. Both neighbors have sought to conceal Israel's role in the airstrikes for fear of a backlash, where government officials and the state-controlled media continue to discuss Israel as a nemesis and pledge fidelity to the Fakistanian cause. The Israeli drones are unmarked, and the Israeli jets and helicopters cover up their markings. Some fly securitist routes to create the impression that they are based in the Egyptian mainland. In Israel, military censors restrict public reports <coughs> of the airstrikes. Very interesting stuff. Way cool. From Ynet, Russian delegation. This was earlier in this week. It obviously didn't work. I decided to include it anyway to show you the politics of what's going on behind the scenes and how this one didn't work out. Russian delegation visit meant to stop Israeli airstrike. A couple days later, there's an Israeli airstrike. A Russian delegation that arrived in Israel was reportedly working to prevent an Israeli attack of Iranian missile factories in southern Lebanon and Syria. During their meeting in Moscow earlier, Prime Minister Netanyahu reportedly updated Russian President Putin on Israel's intention to attack the Iranian weapons factories along with Hezbollah targets in Syria and Lebanon in light of continued arms shipments to the Shiite terror group. Iran is in there. They're moving stuff across Syria and into Lebanon, and it is causing a lot of trouble for Israel. They, uh, One of the reports I read, they have supposedly like 150,000 missiles, I don't remember the exact number, that they can now shoot at Israel. If they were to shoot 1,000 a day, they could go on for days and days and days. Israel could not stop those coming in, okay? But they have the ability to fly very quickly into Lebanon and wipe out the sites where these missiles are. So uh, it's going to be something that is going to happen. We don't know when, but it is going to happen, and at some point, there's going to be another war over there, and we're just seeing the beginnings of it right now. Anyway, let's see here. After Putin and Netanyahu's meeting, a senior Russian delegation arrived in Israel for an in-depth examination of Israeli concerns of the role Hezbollah and Iran play in Syria, especially after Iran refused Russia's request to withdraw its men from southern Syria. Netanyahu briefed reporters after his meeting with Putin, saying Israel will not accept the presence of precision weapons on its border, and will act according to need in Lebanon to stop it. We are now on the cusp of a watershed moment of whether Iran will entrench itself there or if the process will be stopped. I told Putin that if it isn't stopped by itself, we will act to stop it. In practice, we're already operating. Another major topic discussed at the meeting with Putin was Netanyahu said the Iranian nuclear agreement. The prime minister raised uh, before Putin Israel's reservations, which in many cases are reservations I've heard from Trump. I cannot guarantee what Russia's stance will be on the matter, but they understood what will happen if corrections are not inserted into the deal. 
Israel is not going to tolerate it, and neither will Trump. And so we're at a very, very dicey time in our, our situation in the world right now because of what's going on. So much for collusion. So much for collusion from JNS. Just the title, experts warn of escalation between Israel and Russia over Syria. That was actually before the escalation between them and Iran over the past couple days. Russia is going to have to start making decisions. Who am I going to support? Who am I going to stand beside? You know that it's going to be Iran. You know it. But Iran was the instigator of this incident. They flew a drone into Israel airspace, which started the entire thing. The world is not going to agree with that in the end. They're going to come against Israel for it. But they instigated this. Russia will probably support Iran now, if not actually doing it openly. They will do it behind the scenes, and it's only going to continue to grow. From Christian News Today, from Mail Online, let's see here. Church bells face being silenced at night after 239 years because one neighbor complained the noise was keeping them awake. Okay? Yeah, St. Peter's Church in Sandwich, Kent. That makes you hungry, doesn't it? Sandwich, Kent has been served a noise abatement notice. This means its ancient bell will stop tolling through the night from mid-February. Now, my thought is that the person that complained is not over 239 years old, right? Obviously, they moved in long afterward. You know, when I ran the wastewater plant, actually, I ran one down the road here in Gulfgate, and then I went and took over the one on Siesta Key later. And when I ran the wastewater plants, invariably, this happened all the time, people would move in, and then they would complain. It's just like people moving next to an airport and then complaining. One of them, I had no sympathy on this guy at all, His brother ran the wastewater plant on Siesta Key that I eventually took over his position. And he moved into the plant next to us in Gulfgate. And his brother said, don't move there. That's a wastewater plant. You're not going to be happy. He said, it's all right. I checked with all the neighbors and they said there's no problem. He moved in and within two weeks, he complained every single day about something. You know, you got to wonder about the peanut head-itis of some people. But anyway, so we got a church will now no longer be playing its bells after 239 years. From Mail Online, a little bit of good news on the same topic. German mosque is ordered to stop broadcasting call to prayer after court ruled it violated religious rights of Christian couple who lived nearly a mile away. Now, I bet that they lived there before that mosque moved in. That's my guess. Town granted the mosque the right to use the speakers in 2014. So this is something new. The following year, Hans Joachim Lehmann and his wife won an injunction, but the Mezuin continued his work. On Thursday, the administrative court of Gelsenkirchen ruled they had to stop. This represents Allah over our God of Christians, and I cannot accept that as a Christian who grew up here in a Christian environment. And so they're stopping that over there. Good news. From Mail Online, we know that Dope Francis had gone to, where was it, Chile or Argentina, one of the countries, and he was supporting that cardinal. I brought this up, what, two weeks ago? He was supporting the cardinal, even though people were abused by this one priest. The cardinal was supporting, you know, all this was going on over there. And the Pope denied that he had ever been told that he, that there was a person that had been abused. Listen to this. Dope Francis did receive a victim's letter graphically detailing how a priest sexually abused him and how Chilean clergy ignored it. Despite His claim, no victims had come forward. They actually have a picture of the guy handing this to one of the bishops under the dope, and then Dope Francis was given that letter. So he lied. Okay, shows you the caliber of the man that we're dealing with. Dope's own commission for the protection of minors handed his advisor a letter, letter by Juan Carlos Cruz, detailed sex abuse he suffered by Chilean priest. Cardinal Sean O'Malley confirmed he handed the letter to the dope in 2015. Last month, Dope Francis claimed no victims had accused clergy of a cover-up. Okay, now because he's in Catholicism, they have works-based salvation, right? So he can lose his salvation, which he never had in the first place. Anyway, I'm making a joke here. You can't lose your salvation, but that is one of their tenets is that, you know, you've got you to go through the church, you've got to do this, say your Hail Marys and all of that nonsense. Listen, we'll go back to this for a second. Jesus, the cross, this is what saves, and he saves eternally, okay? But the reason why I bring up the Catholic Church all the time is because regardless of whether they are a Christian entity or, and there are Christians within the Catholic Church. That's, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Revelation chapter 3 to the letter in Sardis, it says, yet there are some of you who are in Sardis who are worthy. 
They will walk with me dressed in white. Good people in bad churches, and we got bad people in good churches, right? But um, what was my point on that? Uh, I was going to make a point, and then I got off on the letter to Sardis, and oh yeah, the cross. You're you're saved by the blood of Christ. That's it. Don't worry about if you're you can lose your salvation. You cannot. If you are saved, if you've called on Jesus, it is a done deal. Okay, let's go on. Life site. This is just disturbing. I, this is just disturbing. U.S. Episcopal Diocese votes to stop using masculine pronouns for God. Okay. Now this is this has been going on in other churches, but this is a major denomination that used to really be one of the good churches. I mean, it, you know, that's was the Church of George Washington. They had a great heritage. They loved Christ. Okay, and it's slowly but surely devolved down into just a, a den of wickedness. But here we go. The Episcopal Church in the Diocese of Washington D.C. passed a resolution to stop using masculine pronouns for God in future updates to its Book of Common Prayer. The resolution to stop using gendered language for God was passed quickly. Okay, there was very little debate. Lots of hands went up. It passed very quickly. If revision is authorized, this is before it was actually done. There, This is the submission. If revision is authorized to utilize expansive language for God from the sources of feminine, masculine, and non-binary imagery for God found in scripture and tradition and, when possible, to avoid the use of gender pronouns for God, the resolution stated. Over the centuries, our language and our understanding of God has continued to change and adapt. Referring to God using masculine pronouns is to limit our understanding of God. By expanding our language for God, we will expand our image of God and the nature of God. But Delegate Linda Calkins from St. Bartholomew's Episcopal Church in Maryland challenged the delegates to go further. Calkins read from Genesis 17 in which God tells Abraham, I am El Shaddai. She said that if Episcopalians are going to be true to what El Shaddai means, it means God with breasts. Having studied much feminist theology, I wrote a thesis on liberation and freedom and non-equality in feminist theology and existential counseling. I am still waiting for the Episcopal Church to come to the place where all people feel that they can speak God's name. Many, many women that I have spoken with over my past 20 years in ordained ministry have felt that they could not be a part of any church because of the male image of God that is systemic and that is sustained throughout our liturgies. Many of us are waiting and need to hear God in our language, in our words, and in our pronouns. Delegates to the Episcopalian Convention also passed a resolution without debate or discussion to include transgender people in all aspects of congregational life. I would like to tell you that the Akkadian word shadu, which some people believe is the root of the Hebrew word shaddai, means mountain. So some people believe that it means God of the mountains. Um, shad in Hebrew means breast. And so you have the word shaddaim, which would mean two breasts. And she's claiming that is the root of this word, which it is clearly not. The imagery would be the God of mother's milk and tender nurturing of God. But that is not what it is. You also have the word shadad, which means to plunder, overpower, make desolate. And that is from the root meaning burly, as in powerful. Okay. Support for shadad is found in Joel 13 verse 6 and Joel, I'm sorry, Isaiah 13 verse 6 and Joel 1 verse 15. Isaiah 13 verse 6 says, let me pull this up for you, and it's repeated. It's the same thing being said in both Isaiah and in Joel. In Isaiah 13 verse 6, it says, uh, give me just a second to get there. 13 verse 6 says, Wail, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. So right there you have the uh, destroyer, the destruction being tied into the word Shaddai. Okay, so we know that that is what the, is on the Lord's mind. We don't need to make things up and go back to a second root, Shad, which is, as I said, the plural Shaddaim, and it's coming out from mother's breasts. That's insane. I will say that um, the Bible, we don't need to get into anything beyond this. The Bible uses the masculine in the Hebrew and in the Greek. Yes. That's all there is to it. Okay, when Jesus spoke to his father, he called his father Abba. He says the word father. Okay, it is all in the masculine. So we need to make sure that we understand that God has selected this language and that is the end of it. Let's see here. We're going to go on from Islam today. Isaiah 17 has been brought up many times this week. 
I've seen article after article after article about Isaiah 17, that that may be coming soon. People are asking me that. They're sending me emails about that. The city of Damascus has 1.7 million people in it. 1.7 million people. There are three players that could destroy Damascus at this point. One is the United States of America. One is Russia. And one is Israel. And that is not going to happen by any of those three. Okay, right now we're dealing with tinker toys. We're dealing with F-16s that are blowing up small things. A few people die here and a few people die there. This has been brought up several months ago. It was brought up a few months before that. It's something that people continuously recycle. The fall of Damascus, it is going to be utterly ruined and nobody will ever live there again is not even close to happening. So I just want to make sure that people understand that. If you want to email me about it, I'm going to tell you the same thing. We are not even close to that happening. That is a real end times event where the world is devolved into chaos and people are throwing around nuclear weapons, okay? So I just want you to know, don't be scared about it. Don't watch a bunch of prophecy updates about Isaiah 17 being fulfilled. We are not close to that occurring. Any one of those three players, which was, Russia has no reason to do it. They have Damascus. Israel would not survive at this point in history if they were to destroy Damascus. It would not happen, okay? And then, of course, the United States has no reason to go in and destroy Damascus. We're talking about 1.7 million people that will be here for a few more years, okay? So please don't worry about that issue. From World Israel News, taking aim at Iran, U.S. hits Hezbollah with new sanctions. The Trump admin hit six people and seven businesses linked to Hezbollah with terror sanctions, calling it the first wave in a pressure campaign that will escalate throughout the year. The sanctions aim to squeeze Hezbollah financier Adham Tabaja, who is already designated by the U.S. as a global terrorist, by freezing out a network of companies in Lebanon, Ghana, Liberia, and elsewhere. The Trump admin said companies and their execs act on Tabaja's behalf, forming conduits of funding for Lebanon-based terror group. We will be relentless in identifying, exposing, and dismantling Hezbollah's financial support networks globally. Treasury Secretary Mnuchin said, I don't know how you pronounce that guy's name, the Trump admin has made it a top priority to undermine Iran's ability to stoke unrest and spread its influence throughout the region. Senior Trump admin officials said the U.S. estimates Iran sends Hezbollah about $700 million per year arguing that Hezbollah has become the Iranian government's primary tool to project its power in the Arab-speaking world. This is all very serious stuff. We are working from our end to try to get all of this funding stopped. It is going global. It is a real problem. And at least we have somebody in the White House that is working to get this resolved. Our last president was helping it. He was helping it. He would have done none of these things. From the Times of Israel, Another one, U.S. and Argentina work together to drain Hezbollah funding. Argentina has a large Lebanese expatriate population, and U.S. authorities suspect groups within it of raising funds through organized crime to support the Iranian-backed terror movement. U.S. Secretary of State Tillerson was in Buenos Aires for talks with his Argentinian counterpart, Foreign Minister George, I can't pronounce his name, anyway, after they uh, confirmed that the issue had come up. With respect to Hezbollah, we also did speak in our discussion about all of the region, about how we must all jointly go after these transnational criminal organizations. Narcotics trafficking, human trafficking, smuggling, money laundering, because we see the connections to terrorist finance organizations as well. They have Hezbollah (laughs) in almost every South American country. They have a a group, which is, and they're open about it. And this is what they're doing. They're smuggling drugs. They're smuggling women. They're smuggling all kinds of things. They're making money. And this is all because of the reach of Iran in the world. They are the problem in this world, and it is getting worse. It's getting very bad. If we don't act, it's only going to continue to head down that path. And with Russia supporting Iran, it's a very dicey situation. And we did specifically discuss the president of Lebanese Hezbollah in this hemisphere, which is raising funds, obviously, to support its terrorist activities. So it is something that we jointly agree we need to attack and eliminate. From Jerusalem Post, just the title, Analysis, U.S. Sanctions on Hamas and Hezbollah Indirectly Target Iran. That's the entire purpose of this. This was a very good analysis. I included the title so you can go and read it if it interests you. Okay, this is the main target, is taking out Iran. 
limiting what they can do in the world. From CNS, Kair slams Trump's move to keep Gitmo open. Well, of course they do. They say it's exclusively a Muslim-populated military prison. Well, who's blowing people up in the world, right? Who is going into other nations and causing trouble, killing people of that nation, and so they're not in their own nation, they are not enemy combatants because they do not belong to a part of a recognized sovereign country, there's only one place to put them. You can't put them anywhere else, and that's why we have this place called Guantanamo Bay. Kair is unhappy about Trump's executive order keeping open indefinitely the terrorist detention facility at Guantanamo Bay. Trump's order signed just before he delivered his State of the Union address and announced in the speech allows for the possibility that the center, where 41 men are still being held, could see newcomers. They should, a decade after the last known arrival in March 2008. The U.S. may transport additional detainees to U.S. Naval Station Guantanamo Bay when lawful and necessary to protect the nation, the order states. We condemn President Trump's order to keep the illegal, exclusively Muslim-populated military prison in Guantanamo Bay open. Reports of abuse and a lack of due process at Guantanamo Bay have tarnished our nation's image in the international community and diminished our moral authority to prosecute suspected terrorists in U.S custody. Kair advocates for the detention center to be shut down and for the remaining detainees to be released or put on trial in civilian courts, which is exactly what they want because it will become a nightmare. Guantanamo subverts the criminal justice system. These are not even legal criminals. They're just terrorists. They have no nation that they are identified with. It is the only reasonable thing to do with these people. Those determined to be innocent should be released and sent back to their families. The accused should be given a fair trial consistent with our nation's constitutional values. Only the guilty should be sentenced, providing closure to their victims. Mongolia News Today from the UB Post. Sad news for Mongolia. Mongolia ranks 125th out of 180 countries in economic freedom. Mongolia was ranked as mostly unfree in economic freedom with a score of 55.7, making its economy the 125th freest in the 2018 Economic Freedom Index published by the Heritage Foundation. Mongolia is ranked 27th among 43 countries in the Asia-Pacific region, and its overall score is below the regional and world averages. In regards to the rule of law, the report indicated that contractual rights are recognized and Mongolia generally respects property rights, including intellectual property rights, but noted that enforcement is weak. In addition, the judiciary system was classified as independent but inefficient, sounds like ours, and vulnerable to political influence. Once again, sounds like ours. From Daniel 12 Technology Today, oh, great stuff. I'm telling you, I don't know who saw it, but Falcon Heavy, take off. Did you watch it online, anybody? It was, it was outstanding. I have to tell you, it was marvelous. Now, I went out to watch it from the uh, house as we normally do, and there were low clouds, and because of its trajectory out over the uh, Atlantic Ocean, we could not actually see it. So I went back in, and I got as many uh, live streaming shots as I could. I missed you know, just a, a portion where, until I realized it wasn't going to do any good to watch it take off. But... It was very, very interesting. He had a Tesla on the top of that thing, which is supposed to go and land on Mars. And, of course, they miss shot, and so it's going to go forever. There's a Tesla out there flying along in uh, outer space. But it was really marvelous. And the thing that I thought was absolutely the most wonderful, it was, this thing, two giant boosters on each side and one big one in the middle. Okay, the thing takes off and eventually the boosters separate. These two go over here, the middle one drops, and then the main vehicle continues on. The big booster in the middle missed its mark. It was supposed to land on a ship at sea. It missed its mark, and it exploded. The other two, you could watch the cameras, which were on them, the GoPro, and they were going back to Florida. You could see our house over there. You could see Siesta Key and the Superior Word, and they're getting closer, and pretty soon it gets closer, and then you only see the East Coast, and it's going down, and eventually they landed perfectly on those pads. It was astonishing to see. It, it was really wonderful. If you like um, uh, rockets and stuff, go watch it because I'm sure they recorded it so you can watch it online. It was an outstanding, outstanding job. And then one other thing about technology. I mentioned 747s a couple weeks ago and uh, how much I love them and how sad I was that they'd be gone. And so somebody sent me in the mail my own 747. So that came in the mail yesterday and they didn't say who sent it. All it says is... And 
they know my real name, which is rather rare for people to know. They must have seen it. Sometimes I'll put like my driver's license on there. Anyway, they know my real name. It says, enjoy your gift, a fellow listener and brother in the Lord. So whoever sent that, I thank you very much. I've got my own 747 for my desk now. So that's Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. Because I do put it online. I just wonder if anybody ever pays attention because I'll take like my old passport photo and I'll put it uh, uh, on the, uh, an update for whatever, you know, or my old Malaysian driver's license. And it's got my real name on there. So either you ratted me out or somebody else, but uh, yeah, they, they had my real name. But anyway, um, from Israel 21, Israeli startup Noveto promises a world without headphones. Now, the iPad got rid of the wires, and so it's like a blue, Bluetooth that goes, so this is beyond that. Listen, this is very interesting. When Apple introduced the iPhone 7, oh yeah, they mentioned it, it removed the headphone jack. Apple spun it as a win for consumers who could now use wireless headphones for a better overall experience and no more tangled wires. Israeli startup Novedo wants to go one step further, eliminating headphones with a new technology that beams the sound from your device directly into your ears. Novetto essentially has invented the virtual headphone. Novetto uses a system of sensors similar to those in the latest iPhone X, which unlocks your phone using facial recognition rather than the password or finger recognition. Using its own algorithms, Novetto finds your face and calculates the distance to your ears. They don't have to be visible. And a specially developed tiny speaker focuses the sound there. Move your head and the sound follows you. No sound leaks out to disturb your neighbors. Only you hear it. There are some limitations on how much you can move. So this, obviously, I'm a big sports guy, and so it wouldn't do any good for me. Um, sports like jogging or skiing are out. That's too bad, because I jog and ski all the time. Anyway, um, instead, Novetto is concentrating on three business opportunities. Cars. So if you're sitting in a car, you can put it in, and you can have six different people sitting in the car with six of those things beamed to, so everybody can listen to whatever they want without any speakers at all, not interrupting anybody else. So you have cars, office, you're sitting at your desk and you have some, you know, a whole line of computers and people just working next to each other. It will beam only into your ear and you'll be able to hear, talk with other people if you want that, or you can have music, whatever, into your ear alone. And then finally, gaming, which Totally interests me. I game all day and all night. That's all I do. But uh, those are the three areas that they're working on. And uh, it's a double-edged sword. From uh, Fox, Star Wars tech may be close to reality. This is really, really interesting. Scientists create a 3D projection in thin air. Now, they already have these. They got little things that can make 3D projections. But you can't walk around them. They're actually 2D. And when you walk around them, you only get one view. This one is walk around 3D, and he got the idea that it started out with Star Wars. You know, remember that that uh, Princess Leia coming out of R2D2. But what actually, uh, it'll be in the article, and I'll read it. There's another sci-fi film that he was watching, and it gave him the idea to develop this, similar to when R2D2 beamed a 3D image into thin air in Star Wars. The technology is capable of producing images in thin air that are visible from almost any direction and not subject to clipping. You can have a circle of people stand around it, and each person would be able to see it from their own perspective. And that's not possible with a hologram. The tiny specks of light are controlled with laser lights, similar to the tractor beam in Star Trek. However, it was the 2008 movie Iron Man, when Tony Stark wears a holographic glove that gave the inspiration. He's got this glove, and it starts doing all this stuff, and he's moving stuff around. That's where he got the idea going from holograms to this type of technically called volumetric display is like shifting from a two-dimensional printer to a three-dimensional printer. Holograms appear to the eye to be three-dimensional, but all of the magic is happening at a 2D surface. The key is trapping and moving the particles around potential disruptions, like Tony Stark's arm, so that the arm is no longer in the way. The device is about one and a half times the size of a children's lunchbox. So it's a teeny little thing, and you can now make holograms. From Revelation Plagues today, I have just one article. I was, I've been so distressed over this. I've been so distressed. I reported on it a couple weeks ago. I've, I've literally just had this burden on my heart praying for these people over the past couple days, and in particular yesterday. But I was so happy to wake up this morning and read that there was a little bit of relief. Cape Town braces for civil unrest as city's water crisis continues to worsen. 
Under Level 6B restrictions introduced this week, which is just this past week, residents and tourists can use only 13 gallons of water a day or face stiff fines. People are being urged to take only two short showers a week or use washcloths to clean themselves. They are also being asked to flush the toilet only once a day. Many restaurants have shut off the water at sinks and are asking customers to use bottled hand sanitizers. Many residents are trying to stock up because even with these restrictions, day zero is likely to come. Barring a miracle on May 11th or sooner, most of the city's water taps will be shut off. Already, police and security agencies are bracing for possible, scratch that out, total 100% guaranteed civil unrest. It will be honestly horrific when day zero comes. It's going to be very scary, but I also think it's a reality, unfortunately. There's a growing panic in town. The price of bottled water is shot up if someone is lucky to find any. Shops sell out as soon as supplies enter stores. You know, before we had our hurricane, 7-Eleven always has tons of water out front. I help them, you know, I, I load it up for them and I'm always cleaning the area. And um, before we had Irma, that was gone. There were people fighting over the last couple of them. I gotta tell you what, imagine how bad it is there. If uh, shops sell out as soon as supplies enter stores, even large chain stores are being heavily criticized for price gouging bottled water. In Johannesburg, so many locals are collecting water for family and friends in Cape Town. They're in Johannesburg and they're trucking water over to their friends. It says that authorities are asking people to stop doing so because Johannesburg itself is in danger of running low in this arid country. The rich are already trucking in tankers of water, which I said would happen in two, three weeks ago. Now we're reading confirmation of that and filling their swimming pools, swimming pools for swimming or converting them to operate on salt water. In the Cape Township of, I can't pronounce it, however, poor residents have always had to stand in line for water. So for them, there is an ironic satisfaction, which I don't see any satisfaction in this at all, in the more affluent areas of the city will have to also stand in line. Experts say they foresee clashes between those desperate for water and those hoarding it. No doubt about it. But last this morning, I woke up and last night, their time, they received 0.22 inches of water. It's not a lot. It's not going to solve anything unless they get more. But I was so relieved to see that one pastor, uh, he claimed that it was because he prayed that they got the rain, which just, you know, I wouldn't attend that guy's church ever again. We're a corporate body and we pray for people corporately, not individually. God doesn't just, okay, pastor, whatever, I'm going to respond to you. This is a calamity on a large scale and people are taking opportunity of it. That, that just bothers me. Let's say a prayer for these people in Cape Town. Heavenly Father, what a distressing thing these people are going to go through if this is not resolved. And so we would pray for an abundance of rain upon these people. Undeserving as they are, just as we all are, we, we get your grace from the skies quite often and we take it for granted until times like this come. But we certainly do pray for relief for them and we would pray that your hand of abundance would flow down upon them so that their reservoir would fill back up. But thine will be done in all things and we leave this in your capable hands and we do so knowing that you love those people regardless of who they are, and you sent your son to die for them. And so we would pray that above all, the water of the gospel, the water of the word would get out to them and show them that there is a redeemer that has transcended the pains of this world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Very sad. I just, it's bothered me all week long when I read that article. I think it was Tuesday I read that article from Morality Today. Mail online, this guy. He is as bad, if not worse, than what we had for eight years. Justin Trudeau interrupts a woman to tell her to use people kind instead of mankind because it's more inclusive. Right in the middle of she's asking him a question and he stops her and says something like that. A woman asked him about the ability of religious organizations to volunteer freely. Trudeau interrupted to say people kind. It's more inclusive term than mankind. His interjection was well received by the audience, but sparked a wave of criticism on social media. From the Washington Times, planned murderhood kept aborted babies alive to harvest organs, ex-technician says. They were actually keeping these babies alive to keep their organs fresh. In an undercover video, a former technician for a tissue harvesting company details how an aborted baby was kept alive I, I'm not going to read that part. I, I can't tell you what, how bad it is, what she had to do. Um, let me skip down a little bit. The video project leader said the undercover footage and interviews show that fetuses, human babies, not fetuses, are sometimes delivered intact and alive on purpose 
before their organs are harvested. The federal Born Alive Infants Protection Act of 2002 says that when a child is born alive, including having a heartbeat, he or she is a legal person and has a right to life-saving medical care. Now, what she admitted she did, and she admitted that she did it, was horrifying. She could go to jail for that because she has violated that law. And I hope that people go to prison, and I hope they shut that down very, very soon. From CNS, CBO claims a late-term abortion saves the federal government $7,000. Yeah, we've got our CBO determining who should live and who shouldn't. They all ought to be fired, every one of them. If late-term abortions were prohibited, the CBO assumes it would save the lives of about 2,500 babies per year, which in turn would cost Medicaid an additional $175 million over 10 years. The basic assumption of the CBO estimate is that allowing a baby to be born costs the federal government money because of the percent of babies who are born on Medicaid. In addition, some of those children would qualify themselves for Medicaid and possibly for other federal programs as well. The CBO estimate assumes that if the government makes it illegal to abort an unborn child at 20 weeks or more after conception, most women who would have had a late-term abortion will instead abort their baby early in pregnancy. So they're arguing, the CBO is taking a liberal position in arguing against a late-term abortion bill because they're just going to kill them anyways earlier in their pregnancy. We need to get rid of all of these people. We need to just, we save if we get rid of the CBO. We'll save a lot if we get rid of the CBO. From our other category today, weasel zippers. Sweet, sweet tax cut bonuses. Hostess, you know who makes Twinkies? Hostess gives employees $1,250 each, as Trump said would happen, and it did, and free snacks. Ooh. Hostess is a model case. Under Obama, it was in bankruptcy. Remember that? They were punching their ticket. Under Trump, they're able to give out bonuses, and more importantly, snacks. Following the Republican tax overhaul, many companies are offering bonuses, pay raises, and other benefits to employees. But Hostess just announced a particularly sweet plan to share the tax cut savings with workers. Hostess brands, the makers of Twinkies, Ding Dongs, uh, yeah, and Ho-Hos, and other iconic treats said that it would provide one-time $1,250 bonuses to 1,036 hourly employees following the recently enacted tax legislation. Thank you, President Trump. The bonuses come in the form of $750 in cash and $500 in a 401 contribution. Hostess also said that it would select a product of the week, oh, I'm drooling, and provide a multi-pack to every employee every week for one entire year. Ooh, I'm going to Hostess to get a job. From uh, News AU, Australia. Other things going on in the world besides Israel? China, Russia will soon be able to take out U.S. satellites, Pentagon says. The Joint Staff Intelligence Directorate warned in an internal report that the two rivals are developing technology which could destroy and disrupt U.S. satellites. Why is that important? Because all of our information comes from satellites. We have done away with most of our human intelligence. We have a ton of keyhole satellites out there. We've got GPS satellites so we can tell where we are in the world and you get rid of GPS. Nobody uses maps anymore. Our pilots are probably not trained on how to fly by sight anymore. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, the report concludes that China and Russia will be capable of severely disrupting or destroying U.S. satellites in low Earth orbit in the next several years. The warning represents a huge concern to the United States and follows one given in May last year by Director of National Intelligence Dan Coats. Mr. Coates said Russia and China were increasingly considering attacks against satellite systems as part of their future warfare doctrine. Only smart thing to do. That's what I'd do. The U.S. defense strategy warned China and Russia were a bigger threat to national security than Islamic extremism. <coughs> the U.S. Department of Defense is undoubtedly concerned. Professor Blacksland said that is because much of the precision and geolocation technology on which much of U.S. military technology depends, we shoot off a missile, it's depending on that technology to find its, its uh, target, right, is heavily reliant on maintaining their network of satellites unhindered by the prospect of anti-satellite strikes from China or Russia. We'd be disabled. We'd be completely disabled without it. Breitbart, China, another, another one. Scary world, China moves 300,000 troops closer to the North Korean border. 
300,000. This little thing going on in the Olympics and how they're making face is going to last five minutes after the Olympics are over, and we're going to be right back where we were. China is reportedly moving missile defense batteries and troops closer to its border with North Korea, a potential sign that Beijing anticipates either a large refugee wave, which isn't what they're worried about, or a military disturbance triggered by the belligerence of communist dictator Kim Jong-un. The South Korean newspaper Chosen Ilbo cited Radio Free Asia stating that RFA had compiled evidence that China had late last year deployed another missile defense battery at an armored division in Helong, west of Longjin, in the Yanbian Korean Autonomous Prefecture. The North Korean source in China also noted that Pyongyang had observed the movement of 300,000 troops closer to the North Korean border and missile defense batteries near North Korean reservoirs by the Apnok and Duman rivers. The batteries would prevent the violent outpouring of those reservoirs into China in the event of an airstrike. They're getting prepared because they know that this is a tense situation. Like I say, this Olympics is all going to be over in a couple weeks, and we're going to be right back to Rocket Man, you know, threatening the world. From Weasel Zippers, this almost sounds like an irony of the week, just the title. Dreamers, the dreamers that have all come here and are dreaming to stay, threaten to leave the United States if a DACA deal isn't reached. (laughs) (laughs) Mail online, mail online, listen to this. This has nothing at all to do with prophecy, okay? Maybe it does. It may fit in somehow. Somebody will send me an email, and they'll find a way to figure this into prophecy. But uh, get a degree in yodeling. Yes, Swiss University becomes the first in the world to offer three-year course in the warbling singing style at the University of Lucerne in Switzerland. It will offer two degrees in yodeling, a three-year bachelor's degree and a two-year master's degree. So you can get a master's in yodeling. Somebody will somebody will figure out how that can be put into a prophecy update. Next week, I'm going to be saying, well, I was wrong. They, they, well, just the insanity of it. Absolutely. Um, let's see here. From our irony of the week, I have two of them for you. I call this Oh Snap. Okay. There are different types of snap, but they're both very ironic. From Mail Online, woman goes to a hospital after a nightclub assault, only to discover her doctor is the man who attacked her, and he starts beating her again. Yes. And then another type of snap, Mail Online, that'll teach her for breaking and entering. Thief, this is here in America. Somebody was going up. Now people go to people's um, houses and they grab their boxes and they run. That'll teach her for breaking and entering. Thief slips and snaps her leg as she runs away after stealing packages from a doorstop. So they got her on the camera and her leg just goes and snap right in half. So there you go. A little ironic. And I failed to read my Lesserick for the week. So I'm going to do that right now and then we'll close. When they silence the bells and the call, the traditions around us will fall. I don't blame them at night, but should one have the right to decide what is best for all? So very good. Yeah, the answer is no, unless it's the uh, Muslims that move in after you live there, not before. Okay, so such is the world we live in. And from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia and Decatur, Illinois, I'm Charlie Garrett. Illinois, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.